2: This Wild Earth from Suddenly, the new release by New York's Young Oceans. I'm Dave Hawkins and thanks for tuning in the antidote. Tonight's song list is different from what you usually hear on this program. I think I may have surprised myself by how much I enjoy the music of Young Oceans. I usually lean towards the heavier side of music and enjoy cryptic lyrics. You won't find either from this band. What you do get is meditative art rock that's thoughtful and mellow. It could also be something that you might possibly find at a church that has a progressive worship style. But is this actually worship music? That was one of the questions I had for tonight's guest, Eric Marshall of Young Oceans. I mentioned that the music is thoughtful. It's also introspective and it's a reflection of Eric Marshall's faith. I hope you enjoy this talk and the music. The Antidote meets with Eric Marshall, frontman, vocalist, and songwriter for Young Oceans.
0: Good to have you here, Eric. Good to be here. Thanks, Dave.
2: I think I surprised quite a few people when I told them that Young Oceans was going to be on The Antidote. Because I've always said that I wouldn't play worship music on this program, but now here I am. (laughs) Is worship the best way to describe what Young Oceans is all about?
0: Mm. Depending on where you're coming from, um, I would say, I think no. Um, I, I think worship music has come to mean something in our current day that hasn't really held up, um, I think, in, in a good sense. I wouldn't call it worship music. In fact, every time we put out a release, uh, me and the band and, and our team, we sort of struggle to try to decide what little tags to put into Spotify and iTunes, and I think these days we're calling it religious music. (laughs) 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 Just because why not? Um, No, I don't think it's worship music in a modern sense, no.
2: I've got to be totally honest. I find modern worship music to be really boring and repetitive.
0: Is -hmm. this just me being too critical? I was just chatting with some friends about this, about what is it that is causing modern church music, worship music, whatever you want to call it right now, to all sort of start to begin to sound like the same watered-down soup. And I don't know, I, and I have great respect for many of the, the writers out there that are writing for churches to sing uh, and writing the songs that, that churches are picking up and doing around the world. I, I think that is a noble task. But the recordings themselves and often even the songs themselves, for some reason, have come to take on a sort of um, a style that is just, in a word, safe. And it's come to sound a bit to me as if the music is meant to just be kind of like an anesthetic, so that you don't have to feel anything other than kind of feel slightly good about your life and about your faith. And there's just nothing compelling about that for me as a religious person and I think just as clearly there's nothing compelling for me as a fan of the art of music. So with this project, I really have strived to not do that, (laughs) If, (laughs) if possible, you know?
2: But maybe you could fill us in about the music of Young Oceans. I mean, how much of this is Eric Marshall and how much of it comes from its musicians?
0: That's a good question. Uh, I think I'm tempted sometimes to believe that it's, it's all my thing until I realize that we made a record a couple years ago, a compilation record with incredible singers, an amazing producer, a whole different band down in Nashville in an attempt to provide versions of the songs for people at churches to hear and, and say, oh, we could maybe use that in our church context. We could sing that song, because we had been getting a lot of messages from people saying, hey, we love the music of Young Oceans, too bad we can't sing those songs in church. And part of me was thinking, shoot, that was not my goal to alienate church people, um, because I do lead these songs at a church that I work at, and I think that they work. But what we found was, in doing those songs with a whole nother team, is that they worked for a lot of people, and a lot of people found the band that wouldn't have otherwise. But people that were really into the more nuanced, edgy, experimental side of what we did didn't really dig it, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which was a really interesting experiment. And I felt like I learned a lot. So what I think really matters is who is interpreting the songs. Like you said, who is the band that are playing these records? And my producer up here in New York is a friend named Mike Beck. He has as much to do with the ethos and the aesthetic of this band as I do as the songwriter, for sure.
2: That album was called Voices Volume 1. I'm getting the hint here that Voices Volume 2 is (laughs) not going to (laughs) happen.
0: If we did it again, I would want to take more risks. I would want to Probably, if anything, just essentially do like stripped down live, for lack of a better term, acoustic recordings of the songs. Really, um, so you can just hear them raw and bare bones. I wouldn't try to build it up with production like we did on that. I think there's some amazing moments. Like I said, there's some incredible singers on that record. But yeah, I don't think that that I would try to do a, another Nashville type record like that again.
1: Great.
2: According to Eric Marshall, that's the Nashville version of Young Oceans <laughs> on the song Praise Ye the Heavens from the Voices One release. We go back to my talk with Eric, where I ask about the band's debut album from 2012. I suppose if I was asked, my description of the sound of Young Oceans could be Charles Wesley and Sunlocks meets Explosion in the Sky and YouTube for a <laughs> tag team match.
0: Oh, <laughs> I love that. You're I good to that. go with that? I love that.
2: It's been five years since Young Ocean's released your self-titled, and there has been a big change in your sound since then. Talk about that first release. Are you still happy with what you did back then?
0: Absolutely. The first set of songs that we did um, was, was created without without a plan. We didn't have a name for the band. Those songs had been written by me for a church community that I'm a part of here in New York. And we were, over the time of a couple of years, singing those songs in in churches. And I had an opportunity through a little label to, to go and capture them um, with this sort of mandate from the guy that was running the label to, hey, go. What would you do if you could record these songs however you wanted to? And um, I didn't really believe him at first. But he kept pushing me, and we decided to make these sort of off-kilter, deconstructed versions of these songs, which is what the first record was. Now we look back, and it's not back deconstructed, but it felt very odd to us at the time. And I remember finishing the album, getting mixes, which for bands is always that sort of what-have-we-done moment of the project. And I remember thinking pretty clearly that, like, wow, well, we had a lot of fun with these players making this record. It was all guys that I played in just rock bands with. But I remember thinking, it's a shame that no one's ever going to hear this, because they're obviously not going to dig it. You know, It's just it's not going to land. And when I think about this last record that we've done, I've always tried, with everything we've done since then, with the exception of Voices, which was more of a utilitarian attempt, we've really tried to go back to that original idea where we weren't trying to please anyone, but we were simply indulging in the act of making art. And that is a really hard line to hold, even when you don't have any fans and we're a small band, you know, in the, in this sort of grand scheme, but we've got some people out there in the world that have come to care about the music. And to sort of continue to make recordings and to make artifacts, not thinking about those people, but doing sort of just doing what you feel like you got to do in a strict artistic sense is so hard to do. Um, And I, I hope that we've achieved it on this latest record.
2: Isn't that the joy of being an independent artist? You're not kowtowing to anybody at a record label who's trying to push you into a specific direction?
0: Without a doubt, and I've been in that in that situation before with other bands and, and projects, where you immediately begin to start pleasing the person with the money, and it's and it's a nightmare. I've been in situations where I've swore to myself that I won't do music again if that's how it's going to be. So I I feel privileged to have a, a project where we we genuinely create for the sake of creating, and I hope we can continue to hold to it.
2: I had intended to include a track from the debut album from Young Oceans, but you know there's only so many minutes in an hour, and I decided to have the song that first hooked me onto the sound of Young Oceans. From ADVENT, the band's second album, comes All Who Hear. reason that i wanted to have young oceans here on the antidote is that you are following a different track from what's usually heard because you've brought art into as you refer to as religious music mm. overall in the market is there a place for that
0: <laughs> i don't know if you know the writings of uh, the catholic priest richard Rohr. He's got this line, I don't know if it was his, but he essentially teaches contemplative Christian prayer and thinking, which is in its essence the opposite of hype. Um, It's silence as opposed to noise. It's, It's waiting as opposed to satiating yourself in a sort of classical Christian liturgical sense. And he's got this phrase, how do you market something which is inherently unmarketable, such as silence or suffering or meekness? You know what I mean? These these attributes of Christianity. <laughs> and I, I feel that tension with this band. I was just on a long call today with my manager. We were sort of checking in after the release and, and thinking to ourselves, what are we supposed to be doing, if anything, to help this project do what it's supposed to do? How do we market this band, or do we at all? You know, And to be honest, we don't know what to do, and we never have. Because we feel that the minute we begin to sell this thing as a product in a sort of an adulterous kind of way, that something's going to be lost. And that's not to say that we don't make people aware that we have records for sale. You know what I mean? Obviously, we're selling, and we love if people can go get the music and support it. But I don't know how to market something that is inherently unmarketable. (laughs) (laughs) If you have ideas, please tell me.
2: I absolutely feel your pain, because the antidote fits into that same realm, Mm. where really doesn't fit into mainstream it doesn't really fit into christian and people sometimes find it to be an awkward fit
0: great i love
2: it the new album suddenly from young oceans has just come out it has mm-hmm. an odd subtitle the nuclear sunburst <laughs> of the truth revealed i mean it yeah. sounds very hippie in 1960s but what <laughs> is that and how does it fit the release
0: yeah thanks for asking about that um We were in sort of the final stages of wrapping up this record with mixes, and I was rereading a book that I had been given when I was in high school, a book called The Call, and the author is Oz Guinness, a wonderful author. A few chapters in, he's relaying this beautiful idea essentially about... um, in ancient writings in the Bible, how God revealed himself, and and in this case, how he revealed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai. He talked about Moses asking God to show him his glory, and that it wasn't in the firework display of the smoke and the lightning and the and the explosions on the mountain that was the thing. Rather, it was the nuclear sunburst of the truth revealed, which is god saying i am who i am so that was a phrase from oz's book that that just blew my hair back because one of the the main threads of this record which is really encapsulated in the title track suddenly is essentially what in the world is happening if anything if god is revealing himself to us and um i explore that throughout the record using traces of ancient prayers and liturgies around a Eucharist processional, sort of in an Anglican or Catholic sort of style. And um, so that, that phrase jumped out as a gift. Hey, this is Eric Marshall from Young Oceans, and you've got The Antidote with Dave Hawkins.
3: Land before the Open not his bow. In the Savior's eyes, bow before him now. Peace for our transgression.
2: which sound of Forever Yours from Young Ocean's new album. On the next part of our chat, Eric explains his intentions for Suddenly. You'd mentioned about the Eucharist and how that's effectively a theme for Suddenly. Yes. Maybe the listeners to The Antidote aren't Christian, and even some who are Christian may not know what the Eucharist is. How sure. about giving us a definition?
0: Yeah, I mean, most people would know... Some version of the term, it could be Eucharist or communion or the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. Uh, N.T. Wright, who's an Anglican bishop, um, has a great phrase. He simply calls it the meal Jesus gave us. And it's essentially, it's a sacrament of the church, which is the tradition of breaking bread and drinking wine in the manner that Jesus did with his disciples um, before he went to the cross and the ancient catholic tradition would say that really the gospel itself is within that mystery or that sacrament that when the priest breaks bread and serves the wine to a parishioner that you're actually ingesting christ himself in other words you are sort of taking on salvation through the act of eating and drinking and various traditions have broken broken wildly from that the protestant tradition one of the main things in the Reformation was, no, we don't believe that it's actually this transubstantiation moment where this element is magically or mythically turning into the body of Christ. That's not what I'm trying to explore. I'm not a theologian, but I was very interested in the depth of the symbolism or the act itself or whatever is happening and what it means in terms of encountering God himself. I think
2: most Christians would find my home church to be pretty unusual. We all gather around a large table of food each Sunday, and essentially that's our communion. I mean, it's all very casual.
0: Beautiful. Should there it.
2: be a formula to the Eucharist?
0: <laughs> Again, I would I, I would never even want to put myself in a scenario to say one should do this or that. Um, I think that's the other great thread of this record is that I'm not advocating for some way or style. I'm only exploring what I can and what I can come across as one person. Well, one of the other threads of this record is this idea of unity among people, among people of God, among Christians, among people, anyone with a beating heart. I think art and music has a way of drawing people together rather than drawing boundaries between one another. You
2: think that's happening too often with the church body? denominations just <laughs> saying, I know what's going on. I'm right. You're wrong.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think it's been happening for 2000 years, you know, which is why you can, you know, do a Google search about denominations in America alone and it, and you'll barely be able to get to the end of the list. It's so long. I think there's some great mystery to that. And, and, and I think in the fullness of time, all things are going to sort of coalesce into one redeemed thing but I think it has to break the heart of God to see us um, not fulfilling what his great high priestly prayer was Jesus's prayer which is that we would be one as he and the father are one
3: what can open our eyes when we're deep in the night only the light of your face only
2: sound a standout song from suddenly so we were talking a little bit about debating now i'm not going to try to put you on the spot but no i love it one of the songs from suddenly is the humility of god i know yeah. that we as people should be humble before god but i really don't see god as showing humility
0: mm. humility of god is words taken from um a grouping of, of prayers by St. Francis of Assisi. And I was encouraged by a pastor that I was working with a couple years ago. That's actually the oldest song on the record. I had originally written it to be sung at a Good Friday service, at a, something called a Tenebrae service, where you go through the readings, where you're reenacting the last moments of Jesus before he went to the cross. And as you go through these readings, you you snuff out a candle at each stage, and the room gets darker and darker. And I do think that, as the Bible says, that Jesus is the image of the Father, it says. And in His act on our behalf of dying, of going the full length of of his, His life being taken from Him, I think that is the ultimate act of humility. I was so struck in partaking the Eucharist in these last few years leading up to sort of crafting the arc of the Record of this sort of paradox of us calling upon the God of the universe to meet us or perhaps reveal Himself to us. And then we look up to see the priest or the pastor holding this humble bread, and that is meant to be the thing that we're partaking of. It's very profound.
2: I think I'd like to take that song title the humility of God and turn around and aim it at you Eric. you're the creator <laughs> of the music of young oceans. Is it difficult for you to remove yourself from the spotlight and keep the focus on God?
0: Mm, that's a good question I used to really work real hard to kind of wiggle out of the way even with <laughs> this project <laughs> even with this project we we worked real hard on the first few records to even the way the vocals were produced and recorded, we we tried to really stay on the sidelines with the voices. And again, paradoxically with this album, there was something about digging in as being the singer on these songs. And it's not like a rock and roll each singer type of style music, but there are moments where I'm really kind of hung out to dry. And I would say that a lot of it is a type of sort of play acting where I'm in a sense trying to sort of put on Christ as I'm singing some of these songs.
2: We should get more into the title track suddenly. You know, it's Mm -hmm. interesting that the album has a focus. What's also interesting is topically it ranges because that song is willing to show doubt. Mm -hmm. Does Eric Marshall have doubts? Absolutely. And how do you overcome that?
0: I don't think it's necessarily my role or my place to overcome it, but to be honest about it suddenly itself is really a play act of not just my doubts that are very real and and very true, but it's also meant to sort of go in the footsteps of perhaps Christ in the garden of Gethsemane, um, where he himself is is calling on God and, and essentially wondering, is this really how it's got to be? And so that takes a lot of muscle um, and it takes a lot of it's kind of a ballsy <laughs> sort of a push to, to get that that idea out there with the song and with the vocal. So there's not really a lot of room for humility in that sense, but rather um, maybe the word is vulnerability. That song is funny. We had, we had an amazing experience with some friends in New York. We did a, a listening party. We're of the mind that we'd rather play the recordings for people in sort of like a closed area where they can hear the, the songs in a really hi-fi way. So we, we were able to do that at a beautiful church in Brooklyn. And the priest of the church, he was very trusting of me to allow us to do this. We brought in like a hundred friends to sit in this beautiful church and listen to the music. And I said, are you okay with us playing this music? You know, it's, it's kind of rock and roll, you know, in this Catholic church. And he said, well, as long as there's nothing profane. And immediately I thought to myself, oh, man, there's a, there's a few lyrics in that song in Suddenly that are, they're not profane, but they are edgy in, in a church sense. And But I was like, you know what, but it's, it's how it's got to be. The Bible's edgy. And so we went with it. And I was a little nervous about how some people that do look at it as, quote, unquote, worship music, we're going to receive that song what was so amazing uh, that night almost everyone that came up to me afterward to say thank you or to congratulate us commented about the lyrics of that song suddenly and they thanked me for putting out into the air with this tune my doubts and they said i've always felt that but i've never felt like i could say it or i should or or i didn't have the words to say it and that was really striking to me Um, and these were the type of people that I would think, oh, they have it all together, you know? So I really learned a lot just in these last few days that, OK, maybe that's what we need to be doing, is actually hanging it all out there. And maybe there's some way to actually encourage one another through that process.
1: light inside the sun
3: with a bullet in the gun.
0: Are you here or far above? Are you cruel or are you loved? Are you the femur or the drug? Are you the battle
3: or the blood? Are you the damage when it's done?
2: Appreciate Eric Marshall for being open about having faith struggles. So many artists whose music is aimed towards Christians fail to honestly share about the issues that they deal with. I'd love to hear your thoughts about Young Oceans and some of the other artists that you find on this program. Message the antidote through Facebook, Twitter, or email. It's always good to hear from listeners. And I do pay attention to listeners. Next week, we include a band who was suggested by one of the regular listeners to The Antidote. We're going to have the husband and wife team, Sarah and Mark Anthony of The Letter Black, come for a chat about Pain, the band's new and aggressive album. They'll share about the reality of combining hard rock along with the realities of parenthood and faith. As usual on The Antidote, I'm fast running out of time. Here's more from Eric Marshall and a final but brief song, Have Mercy from Young Oceans. See you again next week. I really wonder what type of effect the album, Suddenly, is going to have on people. I mean, for me personally, I find it has me reflecting on my faith, but what would you like your listeners to draw from the songs from Suddenly?
0: Well, I would hope that people would find aspects of each song to speak to their prayer life and and their, their life as a human of asking the deep questions, even if they don't call themselves a religious person. I would hope that people would take it in as a whole, because I've never worked harder on a concept album than this, to really order it in such a way that it really ought to take you through an arc. In our day, we don't often listen to albums as a whole, we listen to singles, we listen to playlists, um, but perhaps there's room for something like this to be meditated on for a a long period of time. And if people do that, we'd we'd be incredibly honored. That would be a privilege if they would use the music for that.
2: Something that you've brought up a couple times during this talk is referring to it as religious versus Christian. Is there a distinction between the two?
0: I don't know. Um, I suppose I'm using the term religious partly because I grew up, people really had an aversion to that term. Religion to evangelical Christians meant something that was dead. And I actually think that that was a, a great error. It's not just the semantics of it, because Americanized sort of Mick Christianity has, in its worst sense, uh, tried to show people that all they have to do is believe a certain thing um, and you're good. And then you're just hanging on for the rest of your life. Whereas religion is meant to be something that really overtakes your day to day, that every aspect of your life is sort of found within this idea. And so, in that sense, I want this music to be reflective of something that is holistic in my life and perhaps others.
2: I love that term, Mick Christianity.
0: <laughs> Are you gonna let me use that one? Oh, go for it! I don't. I heard that somewhere else.
2: You know what I mean? Oh, sure. We can always steal it from somebody else. <laughs> I guess overall, this has been a fairly serious talk. Eric, is there joy in making the music of Young Oceans?
0: The most joy, absolutely. It's it's funny if people could hear the recordings. If we would just sort of extend them, you know, 20 seconds after we mute, you know, the tracks and while we're doing sessions, we just we have a ton of fun making this music truly. And there's something funny about that juxtaposition that we know that we're making serious music, but we really don't take ourselves that seriously within it. And maybe that's why it works.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And here you are, Charlton Heston at the head of the Bible epic movie (laughs) <laughs> with your supporting cast of thousands
0: <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> Eric, thanks so much for coming to the antidote and putting up with all of my questions.
0: <laughs> oh, they're fantastic questions. Thank you, Dave. It's great for me to work this stuff out in these type of settings <laughs>